Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Luke chapter 16, please stand to your feet. We're going to read the word out loud all together as a family. I'm reading from the ESV if you'd like to flip over to, over to that translation in your app. But verse one, we'll get started. He also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Everybody say bad stewardship. Bad stewardship. That's what's happening here. Verse two, and he called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager, bad stewardship, verse three. And the manager said to himself, well, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? He's getting fired. Listen, an entrepreneur that is a part of our community told me this one time, you don't get fired, you fire yourself. People look at the manager and say, oh, um, or the master and say, he's being mean. No, no, no. The master is just being a bad steward. I am not strong enough to dig, he said. I'm, I'm ashamed to beg, verse four. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from the management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. Take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. On the way out the door, he congratulated him. <laughs> for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. May it not be with legacy. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. What does that mean, Pastor Lyle? I preached on it like last year, so go look it up on YouTube. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. You ever heard somebody say, I would tithe, but I just don't have very much. Jesus said, no, that's not true. Clear as day, verse 10, verse 11. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, everybody say good stewardship. Who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Today, we are going to speak from the topic of stewardship as a lifestyle. Stewardship as a lifestyle. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the grace to be faithful stewards. Lord, I pray that that grace would be made manifest in each and every one of our lives today in Jesus' name. Jesus, give us an impartation that could only come from you. Give us the mind of Christ today that we might discern and understand the thoughts of God to know how to steward our financial lives better in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. You can be seated. On your way to your chair, ask your neighbor, are you a faithful steward? And respond right back to him and say, yes, I am. Are you? 
Yes, I am. In the name of Jesus, I'm a faithful steward. That's right. That's right. That's right. So the Bible teaches us that every single born again believer is called by God to be a faithful steward. Everybody say, that's me. That's right. That's you. That is true. That's you. You're called to be a faithful steward. The apostle Paul teaches us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this is how one should regard us. That means this is how we are to be seen as born again believers. We are first servants of Jesus, and then we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards, everybody say, that's me, that they be found faithful. Let me draw your attention to the words, it is required that we be found faithful as stewards. This is who you are called to be. Put your hands on your heart real quick. Say, I am a servant of Christ and a faithful steward in Jesus' name. That's exactly who you are. Now let's define that term stewardship. What is a steward? A steward is a guardian that protects the interest of another. In this case, that is the interest of Jesus. The steward owns nothing. That would be good for us to receive, a revelation of the reality that me as the created thing and God as the creator, he has it all and I own Where'd y'all go? And I own, come on, 12 p.m., y'all help me preach this today. And I own nothing. Listen, if you'll get that in your spirit, it will change your life. Everything that I have has come to me from God. Everything you have has come to you from God. There is not a thing that you have in your possession, whether it be physical or intangible, that has not been freely given to you by the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we are expected, required, the Bible teaches us, to be faithful stewards with everything that God has put in our care. A steward is careful to guard, protect, and increase. Increase. So if you're thinking, I want to be a good steward, so I'm going to save what God gives me. Well, we know how that worked out for the man that had few talents. Whenever he went to protect and to save what God gave to him, it got taken from him. So faithful stewardship in the kingdom of God is not just protecting what you've been giving, but it's actually multiplying and increasing what you've been given. We need a spirit of increase. We need a spirit of multiplication. We need a mindset change, y'all. Can I say it like that, a little Kentucky language? We need a mindset change, y'all. We, we, we need to grow in our understanding of what biblical stewardship is. And yeah, we're going to guard what God gives us, but we're also going to increase it in Jesus' name. We are stewards of our time, our strength, our ability, and we are stewards of our Money. Let's do it again. I am a faithful steward. Now, being a steward of money is actually an act of worship. Like, I want this, I want this to hit that deep. Stewardship is actually an act of worship. We recognize that God is the owner of everything. 
and that all we do, including how we spend our money, save our money, invest our money, it is all to be done while keeping God's objectives, God's mission, God's interest, and ultimately God's glory at the forefront of our mind. Have you ever thought about that before when you went to spend some money? It got real quiet real quick. How am I stewarding the finances while keeping in mind that this is all for God's glory, this is to protect his interest, this is to advance his mission? Have you ever thought about that before? I'm giving it to you as a tool. Put it in your belt today. Use it. That's what a steward is, a good steward, a faithful steward. That's what what stewardship looks like biblically. Um, how many of you in here are going to make mac and cheese on Thanksgiving? I'm disappointed. Only five of you raised your hands. Listen, my kids, they love mac and cheese. And here's the thing about what my kids love is they don't like the healthy mac and cheese. You know what I'm talking about? The Annie's mac and cheese from Target. They hate that. They want Velveeta and shells, right? They want that processed, thick, weird looking yellow, bright cheese. And let's be honest, it is the best, right? I don't want no Swiss on my burger. I want that plastic processed cheese. (laughs) Well, the guy who started it, this is the the reason I'm bringing it up. Uh, The guy who started it, his name is actually... J.L. Kraft, do you remember Kraft Mac and Cheese, right? So the reason I'm bringing it up is because I heard an interesting story about him this week and it turns out that J.L. Kraft, yes, the guy who owns, owned, he's dead now, the the patent for processed cheese actually gave 25% of his wealth to the church. And I thought, man, that's amazing. And so I found this awesome quote uh, that he shared once upon a time and it says, the only investment that I've ever made that has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money that I have given to the Lord. Isn't that an awesome quote? You mean to tell me that sowing into the kingdom of God is a better investment than the stock market? Yep. You mean to tell me that sowing into the church is a better investment than Nashville real estate? Yes. Better than Nashville real estate in 2019? Yes. Because that 2022 real estate, God, we praying for y'all, okay? All of our realtor friends in here, I know it's been a little bit crazy, but thank God you're tethered to the eternal word of God and that we serve a God that institute change, but he himself does not change, amen? So we wanna be good stewards. Stewardship is not a one-time act. Stewardship is actually a lifestyle. And here's where it starts, giving. Let's do it again. I am a faithful steward. What does that mean about you? That means you're a giver. That means you are a giver. John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he... So whose image are we being transformed into constantly? His. That means if I'm being discipled and I'm being transformed, then my new nature that I'm gonna continually take on is one of a giver. I want to give more and more and more. I want to be more generous. Why? Because I want to be more like him and I'm being transformed into his image and he gives. So I want to give on the other hand, the flesh, the old man, the old nature is very stingy. Would you guys agree? I think back to who I was before I got saved. I was super selfish. I thought the world revolved around me. Anybody else? 
That's the flesh. That's the old nature. We think through a selfish lens and we do so with an unregenerated mind. We don't have the mind of Christ yet. We have an unregenerated mind. And anytime the unregenerated mind begins to reason about giving, they always decide to withhold. Because the unregenerate mind can't be generous in the way that God's called us to be generous. It's like, well, you know, I want to reason amongst myself. I think I'll keep everything. Right? Play it safe. Hold it back. I'm not going to be a giver. And yet, as a born-again believer, we are naturally inclined to behave like God. Therefore, we're looking for opportunities to give. We're looking for opportunities to bless. We're looking for opportunities to help somebody else. Amen? That is the person that God has called us to become. And that is because not only are we a new creation, but we're also a kingdom citizen. And by being a kingdom citizen, we submit ourselves to a higher law. Amen? We live in accordance to a higher law. Yes, we are here in the USA. Yes, we submit to the laws of the land. But as a kingdom citizen, I live by an even higher law. And as a kingdom citizen, my giving, my finances, and my stewardship is actually governed by kingdom law. And there is a spiritual law that God himself backs 24-7, 365. Yes, even, even though your circumstances may look bleak, God's bank stays open. And that is if you sow you're going to reap. That is a spiritual law and it is in operation because God said so. If you sow, you're going to reap. And here's the great thing about sowing seed is that you always get back more harvest than seed you sow. Listen, I grew up in an agricultural environment in West Kentucky. I'm not a farmer. I tried it for like six hours on a Thursday afternoon, decided it wasn't for me, okay? I, I helped a friend carry some hay bales, and I was like, this is terrible. I think I'll be an athlete. Amen. But here's what I do know, is that you always get more corn out of the ground than the seed you put in it. And, it. and that is a mirrored principle. Nature speaks of the kingdom of heaven. And so whatever we sow, you get to reap more back. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. This side seemed a little bit more lit than y'all over there. It's awesome that we, that we sow seed in obedience to God. And then God says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bless you even more. That's amazing. We're kingdom citizens. We're participating in kingdom economy and our finances are governed by kingdom law. I, I might have to do a praise break. I'm telling you, I've about preached myself into a shout. Listen, giving activates kingdom law that releases the work of God in our financial lives. I double dog dare you to submit your financial life to the kingship of Jesus. I double dog dare you. You watch what happens. You tell me you don't have a testimony in about 2.5 seconds. I, I have never met a person that has told me, you know what I regret doing? Tithing. I've never met a person that has told me that. I've never met a person that said I was generous. I obeyed the voice of the Lord. I did what he called me to do. I blessed somebody else. I blessed the church. I gave more than was required. And you know what? I just regret it. No, it doesn't happen. God loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. Everybody say tithe. Of all of your produce. Here's the most important word. Then... Then, what is God telling us? If you will do this part, 
Then I'm going to do this part. And what is God's part? You do your part, God will do his. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I'll take it, Lord. I don't have a barn, but, well, the new house kind of has a barn, but haven't got there yet. So we'll testify to that in just a second in Jesus' name. But I want it filled with grain. Anybody else in the room? I want my vats. I don't have a vat though. For sure don't have a vat. But Bliss is going to get me one for Christmas. And God is going to fill that thing to overflow with wine. Hallelujah. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. Jesus said himself, Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely you have received. Therefore, it is required of the faithful steward that you should also freely give, right? This is who we are. This is part of our identity as a new creation. Missionary Jim Elliott said this. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Isn't that good? He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. All right, so how many people want to be faithful stewards? Let's do it again. I am a faithful steward. Faithful stewardship starts somewhere and it starts with tithing. It starts with tithing. Now listen, if you're, if, you're, if you're in here today and you've never tithed before, I, I, I pray in Jesus' name that you would take us up on our tithe challenge, all right? If you are in here today and you used to tithe and then somewhere along the way you got talked out of it by an influencer on TikTok, um, they're wrong. The Bible's right. I wanna encourage you, take our tithe challenge, okay? We have a 90-day tithe challenge. It's on our website under the give tab. All you gotta do is sign up and you are able, Malachi chapter three says, to test God with your tithe, all right? So the reason we call it a tithe challenge is that when you sign up, we monitor over the 90 days and if you are faithful to return the tithe unto God the way the Bible prescribes and you are not a recipient of God's great blessing as he declares in Malachi chapter three, we will refund you all of your money back, all right? It's not that we're so confident in ourselves to tell you that, it's that we're so confident in the word of God that he is not a man that he should lie. And if he says himself that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that then you cannot contain, then we are so happy to agree with his word and say, y'all test God, see what happens. See if you don't have a testimony, see if you're not blessed, see if something awesome doesn't happen in your life. Now, what is tithe? Tithe is simply a tenth. Everybody say a tenth. All right. A tithe is not a tip. Tithing and tipping are two different things. All right. Some people think of the tithe because they don't understand what the word means. And that's okay. We're learning today. Amen. As they think, uh, well, tithing is like tipping. So if the worship's good, I'll throw a little something in the offering bucket. If I felt moved today, word was good. Guess I'll give online after the service. So long as I don't forget or spend too much at lunch or decide to go out with the boys. That's not what tithe is, okay? Tithe is a tenth and it's not just 10% of your income. It is the first, everybody say the first. Look at your neighbor and say, you get that? Look at your neighbor and say, you get that? Look at your neighbor and say, you get that? All right, I tried three times. Y'all didn't do it, but it was close. It's the first tenth of your income. 
The very first tenth, okay, here's the definition. The tithe is the first part of the income from our increase, our profits, our earnings. What am I supposed to tithe on? Anything that's increase, anything that's profit, anything that's earning. You are supposed to tithe on that. Tithing is based in the understanding that everything I have belongs to God. He is the owner, I am the steward. And tithing is more about returning church than it is giving. You can't tithe and confess generosity, but you can tithe and confess obedience. Because tithing is about returning to what, to what God says, that right there, that belongs to me. That's not even yours. You with me? So like if Brian, he gave me a $100 bill and I had it in my pocket and it's his. And he said, hey man, can I get that hundred bucks? How many of you guys know? I'm not being generous by giving it back to him. It was his to begin with. That's what tithing is. It's not generosity, it's obedience. It's, it's saying, God, everything I have belongs to you. Not just 10%, 100%. But because I am a kingdom citizen and I live a part of this kingdom of God under kingdom law, you declare that as a new creation, part of my responsibility, part of my identity is I am a servant of God and I'm a faithful steward in the kingdom. Therefore, I return the tithe unto you. And our minimum financial commitment church is tithing. Our minimum financial commitment is tithing. Listen, you know, thank God we aren't a part of the early church and Jewish Christians because the tithe was a requirement to belong to the church. And then you had to pay a temple tax, which was an additional 5%. So 15% of your income off the top had to be returned or else you get kicked out of church. What if we did that today? That would be weird, huh? We're not going to do that. Don't worry. Tithe is sacred. Everybody say it's sacred. It's not normal. It's not normal money. It's, it's not just like, it's not common. We just did a whole long uh, series. Y'all remember the title? Consecration. consecration. Uh, what does consecration mean? It means to be separated from the world. It means to be separated uh, from the world and set apart as holy unto the Lord. The first 10% of your income is consecrated money. It's holy unto the Lord. It is to be separated from the way of the world. It is to be set apart for God's sacred use. That's what tithe is. If you're with me, say I'm with you. you. Talking about money, I I need a lot of encouragement because I, you know, I don't want to scare anybody, but it's the word of God. So Leviticus chapter 27 says a tithe from everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, doesn't matter what it is. It all belongs to the Lord and it is holy unto the Lord. Deuteronomy 14, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and before the Lord your God, where? in the place that he will choose. We know that as new covenant believers, as the church. Listen, I am all for supporting your friends, giving to people, being generous, finding somebody to bless. But if you want to look for the best possible biblical prescription of where your tithe belongs, it belongs where God has made his name known, which is the church for us in the New Testament. And that is the storehouse that you are a part of. You with me? Okay, awesome. We're going to move forward. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Thereby put me to the test. This is the only place in scripture where God invites us to test them. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Come on. 
If you're in need this morning, I want you to tithe today because we're going we're to open up the opportunity for that in a minute. I want you to tithe today and we are going to proclaim breakthrough together as a family. There's going to be no need. That's what the word of God says. That's what God has spoken over my life. There will be no need for a faithful steward. I will return to the tithe that which belongs to the Lord. I stand on the word of God and I am ready to receive. Amen. Okay, number two. All right, so what's an offering? You hear us on Sunday, we say, now we're gonna receive this morning's tithe and offering. The tithe means a tenth, all right? We're returning it. But offerings are something different, all right? With the tithe, there, there, there's a, there's a um, it just means a tenth. There's a maximum, 10%. Uh, but with the offering, uh, it's an unlimited amount, all right? Here's a definition of an offering. It's an offering is a free will, unlimited amount given by the giver with faith and with joy. How many of you guys know God loves a cheerful giver, right? We're not given reluctantly. We're not given because the preacher talked us into it. We're not given under compulsion because we feel guilt. No, no, we're giving in obedience. We're responding to the spirit of God in our life. And we're saying, I am joyfully giving this under your kingdom, God. Because you asked me, I'm a faithful steward and I wanna be an obedient son or a daughter. Yes, this is so fun. Thank you for allowing me to participate in what you're doing. Have you ever been that excited giving an offering? I have. One time I was at a conference and a pastor got up and said, we're gonna plant a church today. And it was amazing. There was a spontaneous offering. It was a number of pastors and churches in the room. And that day an offering came in for this pastor who was a friend of mine of $175,000 to plant a church. And they planted a church thriving, not just surviving. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Listen, I, I like, because Malachi chapter three said you can test God in this, I like testing the Lord with this. I literally like playing fun little fellowship games with God around money. I know that sounds ridiculous. One time a missionary from Africa came and visited us and uh, he said, I, I don't have a whole lot, but I do have a dollar and I wanna sow it into your life. And I took the dollar and I said, Lord, what if I, what if I didn't eat my seed, but I sowed all of it? And I know what you, well, it's just a dollar. Never really matter. What can you buy with a dollar these days, right? Well, Jesus said, if you'll be faithful in a little, he'll make you faithful. He'll let you be faithful in a lot. So I took that dollar and I said, okay, I could probably tie the dime and that would be appropriate. But tell you what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to take all of my seed here and I'm going to sow it. See, one of the problems with the church is that we tend to eat our seed. But seed is not to be eaten. Bread is to be eaten. You got to put the seed in the soil if you ever expect to receive a harvest that you can make bread out of. Don't eat the seed. Look at your neighbor and say, don't eat the seed. No, no, the seed is to be sown, right? And what does Jesus say? He supplies seed to the sower, not the withholder. I can't figure out why no seed's coming into my life. Are you sowing any? No. Well, if you want some more, sow. My mixtape's coming out in February. It's hot fire. So I took that dollar. I know it seems ridiculous, but I took the dollar and I found somebody that day and I said, listen, I know this ain't a lot, but I want to sow it into your life. And I think they probably thought it was a lot more than it was. Go- what? They looked down and they're like confused. 
And I'm like, I'm sowing this as a seed. I went with my dad over to another church that afternoon. My dad was preaching there. And randomly, a guy I'd never seen before walked up to me and said, hey, the Lord prompted me. I'm gonna sow a seed into your life. Here's a $20 bill. That's God's economy right there. I took that $20 bill. I said, man, this is amazing. Huh, wonder what would happen if I sold the whole thing. What if, I, what if I didn't eat any of this seed? What if I just sold all of it? So I, I went to my grandmother. She was a treasurer at the time. I said, can I get uh, four or fives? Found four people. I said, hey, I was going to sow a seed into your life. Remember, I, none of, it, it, I didn't work for the original dollar. Right? Ain't nothing, I didn't do nothing for it. Right? So I sowed into a couple people's lives. Within seven days, I had over $250 that people had just handed me. And I, I, I took all the money and I, and I sowed it into missions. And I, I just watched how every single time God would multiply it. And, in, and there's even moments today, y'all. I, I know this seems unbelievable. Well, God will remind me of seed that I put in the soil years ago and say, the reason for this harvest is because of that seed. It happens. It happens all the time. So this is, this is, this is an offering. We give unto offerings because God asked them... F- Ask us for them. Malachi chapter three says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, God says. Why? What do you mean? How do we cheat you? You've cheated me in the tithe and in the offerings that are due unto me. So whenever we do the big give every year, my wife and I, we pray and we say, Lord, what's the offering due unto you? I mean, in my own mind, I can surely think of something good. But you know what I found to be interesting? My conclusions are always lower than God's. Because even if it's just a little bit, they're filtered through a lens of fear. Well, what if I don't have enough, you know? And God's like, sow this. Tell you a quick story. So uh, just recently, we had Corey Russell here from Upper Room. Do you guys remember that night? We had this thing called Presence Night. And um, God was speaking to me about my finances. And, and I was involved in some investments. And, you know, I was really working to try to grow our income. You don't go into ministry for money, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Like, I know you see like these celebrity pastors on TV. They're less than 1% of us, okay? It's nice for them, but it seems to work out to be about $5 a message over your whole life. <laughs> um, some of you preachers will get that later. But um, I was sitting in the, in the seat and, and I just could not help it. But I, I mean, Corey wasn't even preaching on money, but God was like, time for an offering. I'm like, that, that can't be God. That's, that's not even the message. It's about prayer and hunger and focus. And God's like, no, I want an offering. What? Okay, well, how much? He told me. It's 25 times the biggest offering I'd ever sown before in my life. No, God, that cannot be you. My wife will never go for this. She's really going to put her foot down this time, God. And uh, so I slept on it for two days. And I was so afraid to tell my wife. And on the third day, I said, listen, this is going to sound crazy. You're not going to like it. But God said something to me. Yeah, what is it? He told me that we should give an offering 25 times larger than any offering we've ever given before. And she said, yeah, that seems like God. No problem. (laughs) I said, okay, well, let's sleep on it. We want to make sure it's wisdom. (laughs) So the next day happened to be, uh, I think it happened to be church or something. But um, so we were in church and, and uh, the whole time God's like, yep, that's me. You're called to do it. So after church, I told my wife, hey, we're called to do it. This is what God told me to do. 
uh, we're supposed to do it. She said, okay, great, let's do it. So that night we put the kids to bed, held hands in the bed, and we prayed. And we said, Lord, we trust you. This is really hard. This is a sacrifice. My pastor used to tell me, it's not a seed unless it hurts. This one hurt, right? I'm like, whew, this doesn't even, this doesn't even seem wise. <laughs> it seems, seems egregious, Lord. Was it not egregious when I gave my life on the cross? Come on now. Um, so you really think you can outgive me? Okay, yep, you're right, Lord, okay. So we sat there with the laptop and we gave. And um, uh, some time goes by, you know, and uh, my wife does this thing very often is that she likes to look at houses on Zillow that we can't afford. <laughs> Any other women in here, y'all do that? Why do y'all do that? Like, I don't even know what that's about, but like... Okay, amen, all right, you know, and like, and uh, you, know, we, we, you know, we'd be in the bed in the morning or something having coffee, she'd be like, look at this house I found. It's a waste of time. <laughs> There's no way we can ever afford that. But she found this one house and when she showed me the picture, I was like, that's our house. And I don't know if it was faith or I was just messing around, but I was like, that's it, that's the one. And uh, she's oh yeah, okay, great, great. And then so she, you know, goes on, looks at some other ones. Um, but a few weeks go by and we're preparing to, um, to actually leave to go on our summer sabbatical and we were gonna spend three weeks in Florida. But the week before we left, we decided that we would go see the dream house from the Zillow listing. And we went and we looked around and we thought, well, we'll just put boots on the ground and we'll prophesy into our promise. We'll say, you know, this ain't the house, but at least like this looks like the house that we're believing God for. And so we're gonna pray. And so we looked at the house and we're like, this is awesome. It's totally out of our league. We can't afford it. And then right before we left, like, let's just put an offer in. Realtor said, listen, don't even, don't even play games, all right? If it's not a full price offer, they're not even gonna consider it. So he said, all right, well, let's do full price offer. Knowing good and well, there's no way we could afford it. So we put a bunch of contingencies in place and all this stuff and then it didn't work out, right? We didn't get the house. We really wanted it. We really hoped that it would happen, but it didn't work out. So we're like, it's all good. We're spending three weeks in Florida. There ain't nothing to be sad about. We're going to the beach. Well, on our third week, we got an email that came to our assistant and it was just titled, donation. And in the email uh, said, hey, um, wanna make a donation to Pastor Lyle, Pastor Allison's ministry. They may not know who I am, but if you look at my name, you'll probably remember me. I was in a real estate transaction with them recently as the seller. So when I saw it, you know, our assistant uh, texted, texted us, said, hey, I know you guys are on vacation. Um, do you want me to respond to this? Yes, I'll respond to it personally. And I was thinking, he just wants to give a donation to our church. And Allison was like, maybe he wants to give us the house. I'm like, no. So we get on the phone and I was actually on a golf cart at the time. I texted him and he said, call me right away. And I was taking Remy to go get a cookie. And while we're in this golf cart ride, I was on the phone and, and, and he said, listen, you want this house? Yes. Well, I wanna make sure that you guys get this house. I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure you have your dream house. I said, that's great, sir. We're so grateful. We have no money. <laughs> he said, well, your realtor told me that. <laughs> so, tell you what, when you get back, come get the keys. And you can live there for free till you have the money. And that's the house we live in now. We, we, we've been living there for two months. Jake, you're a realtor, you know. 
It's a different kind of market. We've been living there for two months, y'all. And um, I signed a contract because, you know, it needed to be legal. And I pay $1 a month in rent. Very, very high, high price of a dollar. So I've agreed to pay $12 this year for our dream house. Which is awesome. Praise God. And, and of course, you know, he's telling me this and I'm in shock. So I'm like, okay, yes, sir. All right. Wow. Okay. And I'm thinking like, well, you know, there's got to be a catch or something. And he goes on down the list. He answers all my questions, resolves all the things that I think might be catches. And then I hang up the phone. And then the Lord whispers in my ear, did you hear how much he said he would be charging in rent for year, per year? Wow. Yeah. Well, that's double of that offering that you gave to me oh after presence night. Do you remember that? Oh. I remember that. You'll never outgive me, son. Yeah. Double of the biggest offering we'd ever gave. And God came through and said, hey, not only am I going to give you just a financial blessing, but I'm also going to give you your dream house. See, you're, you're, you're working in a different economy now. And I was driving Remy to get that cookie with, you know, I was just crying. I was like, wow, God, you're so good. You are so good. And I felt like the Lord was kind of laughing with me, like, you really thought you could outgive me. And I was like, Lord, I mean, I have always said you cannot outgive God, but I was sure I got you that time. I was positive, like, Lord, I got you. No, 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 no. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. So let me give you one more point. Stewardship is also a lifestyle of receiving. Don't think I'm, don't, church, don't think today my whole goal of this message is to say, give, 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 we need it. We don't. God doesn't need your money. Okay? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This is not about getting into the pockets of the saints. That's not even what this is about. It has nothing to do with that. This is about being a faithful steward of everything God's put in our hand. And being a good steward is not just about giving. You gotta get this. And I don't, I'm, I'm out of time, but you gotta get this because it's just as important as everything else I've said. Being a good steward is not just about giving. Being a good steward is also about receiving. Because good stewards don't just sow. We gotta remember this, church. Good stewards don't just sow. We also reap. And we reap more than we sow. The seed that goes in the ground, the fruit that comes up is always more. You're never gonna regret sowing at the prompting that the Lord Jesus invites you into. Stewardship is also about a lifestyle of receiving. God responds to our giving by opening up opportunities for us to receive divine provision directly and indirectly from his hand. Let me give you one more point and I'm done. Stewardship is not only a lifestyle of giving and generosity. Stewardship is also not just a lifestyle of receiving and reaping, but stewardship is also a lifestyle of prospering. It's also a lifestyle. I'm going to proclaim this from the rooftops, church. It's also a lifestyle of prospering. The old church, and when I say old, I mean ancient, they used to call this flourishing, right? And surely there's plenty of people around the world that are not as, you know, they don't live in a country that's as blessed as we are, but stewardship in the kingdom is also about prospering in your, in your soul, in your life, in your world, in your family, in your home, and in your finances. Prospering. God desires that each and every one of us receive abundantly and have more than enough to be generous givers. That is God's desire for your life. That is his desire. So let's do it again. I am 
a faithful steward. I am a giver. I am a receiver. And I shall prosper. Say it again. I shall prosper. Decree it one more time. I shall prosper in Jesus' mighty name. Believe. Zechariah 8, 12, for the seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give its fruit. The ground shall give her increase and the heavens shall give their due. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all of these things. Believe. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 23. He will also send you rain for the seed that you sow into the ground and food that will come from the land will be rich and plentiful. In the day your cattle will graze in broad meadows. Believe. God says, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power that's at work within me. Somebody say me. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. This is what just happened in our lives. So don't doubt God with small faith and just throw a reluctant offering at him. No, believe for miracles. Believe for the supernatural. Believe for a miracle to be put into your hand. Believe for a miracle to be put into your house. Believe for a miracle to be put into your family. Believe for a miracle to be put into your business. This is what God wants to do. We're not called to just, just get a little bit. No, we're, we're called to have more than enough to bless other people and to bless our families and to bless our children. If you don't believe that today, let's be like the apostles in Luke chapter 17, verse five. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> increase my faith, Lord. I believe for breakthrough. How about you? I heard a story this week. Closing with this. Businessman, he decided he was going to sow a big offering. He was going to give $25,000 to a missionary. So he wrote a check out, $25,000, gave it to the missionary. Next hour, after he'd given it away, got a call from his investor. Said, I'm sorry to tell you, business is not well. Stock is plummeting today, and you're about to lose 30% of your profits. So he called the missionary. He said, hey, I need the check back. So, of course, you know, the missionary, feeling sorry for the guy, returned the check, gave it back to him. Businessman took the check, ripped it up, sat down, wrote him a check for 50000 gave it to the missionary. He said, my faith is not in my company. My faith is in God, and I put my trust in him alone. Take it, be blessed. This is where my heart is anchored. This is who we are as kingdom citizens, fruitful faithful stewards. Let's stand, let's pray. I, I waited till the end to receive the offering, the tithe and offering. It's not because I'm trying to, you know, get you to give more. You give what you feel like you've decided in your heart to give is what scripture says. But if you haven't tithed in a while, can I challenge you today? Tithe. Return unto the Lord that which belongs to him. It's not yours to keep anyway. Be obedient. And if, if you want to give an offering, you're most welcome to, but hey, we're having a big give in two weeks. So if you want to pray with us and begin to believe God for the supernatural to go to work in your finances, do it, do it. We want you to do it. We want you to give and sow into what God's doing, but not just for our sake, but for the kingdom and for yours. So Lord, we pray right now over our finances 
and we pray and declare a supernatural move of God over our finances. God, we pray and declare that there would be people that we, maybe we don't know or we've forgotten about. That from out of the woodwork, God, they'd come forth to bless us. For everybody looking for a house right now, I pray favor with the sellers. I pray supernatural favor. God is not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for another. Our story is not special, it's just our testimony. And we know the, spirit, the, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So anybody in here that needs a house, we prophesy in Jesus' name that houses are coming to you in Jesus' name, that keys to houses are coming to you in Jesus' name. I was praying over a friend that was looking for property recently and I saw a vision of a golden key being thrust into his hand and, and receiving keys uh, for their house. This morning, we always pray as a staff and then we come together like a little huddle and we put our hands in and I asked Daniel, I said, Daniel, what are we saying today? Because it was his first day playing keys. He said, we're saying keys. And he didn't know what he was saying is prophetic because somebody's gonna get some house keys in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.